This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. Hey everybody, this is Ari Mizell, and you are listening to the Less Doing Podcast. Today's guest is Abel James, the fat-burning man, and we're going to be talking about natural movement, lifestyle versus diet, and clearing your mind. So I know you're going to like that interview. Abel has come out with an app called Caveman Feast, which we'll talk about in the interview, but it's a really cool recipe app for the iPhone and iPad about paleo recipes. So I have a link to that in the show notes. I've been playing around the last couple of weeks with Boss Rutan's O2 trainer. So I have before worked with the, uh, the uh, power lung, which looks like a very small flute maybe. And essentially it provides resistance when you breathe in and out with the idea being that your lungs are a muscle and you can train them by creating resistance on the inhale and resistance on the exhale. It's supposed to improve your oxygenation capacity uh, as well as your uh, ability to just do physical activity because you can breathe more effectively because those muscles are drawing air in more and then exhaling the bad CO2. So Boss Rutan's O2 trainer looks like a little mouth guard and there's an in and out and you can change the resistance of each one independently. So you can have sort of, you know, a lot of resistance on the inhale, but then none on the exhale and train the different aspects of your breathing. Uh, so I've been playing around with that, doing some CrossFit workouts with it. It is really hard. Uh, it definitely ups the level. And it's a, in a way, like it's a little bit stressful, but in a good way. So it's sort of training you to realize that you can work on less oxygen. So if you've ever found yourself at the end of a workout sort of heaving and gasping, this might be for you to check out. And then another just random app that I found this week, which is kind of funny, I need to get passports for my two... Uh, five-month-olds and getting the passports itself is not a big deal you have to you know fill out the application and just show up at the post office with it but getting the photos is not the easiest thing if any of you ever have to deal with this when you get a photo of a child or a baby there can't be anybody else in the picture and they have to be against a white background looking at the pic looking into the camera with their eyes open so that's not that easy uh, if you try to go to a photo place to do it, they may let you hold them up with a sheet between it's, it's just very complicated. So there's an iPhone app called ID photo print and it, all it does is show you how to do the picture. So it frames it for you. It has like a little silhouette of a person. You get it lined up and then you take the picture. And since you're doing it with your iPhone, you're doing it at home. You can lay your baby down on a white towel and just, you know, wait. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to get some cute pictures in the meantime. Once you get the right shot, you just hit one button, and for $4.95 in the mail, you get perfectly proportioned, ready to attach to an application, passport photos. Could not be easier. So that was one of the discoveries of this week. Uh, there's also been some really interesting studies this, I mean, recently in the news and, and just coming out of different research places. So every week in my newsletter... I cover two studies, one about productivity 
and one about wellness. And if you sign up for the free newsletter, uh, you're going to get that update every week. And all I do is I post that, that I put out that study and then I have sort of a paragraph descriptor. I try to pick studies that may have some actionable element to them, something that you can take advantage of and try, whether it's to improve your sleep or your fitness or your concentration or whatever it might be. So if you haven't signed up for that, I highly recommend you do. And then uh, the last thing I just want to mention about the about the newsletter as well is that by signing up for that, you're also going to get discounted access to all of my online courses, all the biohacking courses and the uh, the Art of Less Doing course and the Gmail IFTTT and virtual assistant course. So thanks for listening, and let's have a chat with Abel. First of all, tell everybody, how did you become the fat-burning man? <laughs> so uh, basically, I I got sick because I was following my doctor's advice and the advice of uh, you know pretty much every diet book out there that you're supposed to eat less and exercise more and eat super low fat, zero cholesterol, that sort of thing. Um, and that, that led me down a path of basically breaking my thyroid, getting kidney stones, having high blood pressure, and uh, being overweight. And so I fired my doctor and started experimenting on myself. My background's in um, psychology and brain research. So I uh, stuck my nose in the books, tried to figure out my own body as best I could from, uh, you know, medical journals and everything on that side of the spectrum all the way to bodybuilding forums and a bunch of bro heads <laughs> about bro science with each other uh, and everything in between. And so basically uh, once I did that, I, I completely turned my health around, like everything changed. All these things that I thought were just a problem of who I was, you know, like not being able to sleep at night and being kind of overweight and bummed out and low energy being hungry all the time. These were things that just like disappeared. I lost 20 pounds in 40 days and I'm like, everyone deserves to know this. This wasn't hard. This was just a matter of following the right advice. So I, I want to help other people come to their own independent conclusions of what the right advice is and uh, get around all the noise. So I started my podcast, That Burning Man, and, uh, and blog as well and wrote some books. And it's been pretty nuts since then. People are listening, which is awesome. Yeah, no, you've built quite the following. I mean, you know, your show has been number one on iTunes, and it's just, uh, and the books are doing great. And I, I think that the content that you put out is just really cool. So, uh, is the fact, I mean, now, Fat Burning Man is obviously really catchy, but does that have, you know, some sort of suggestion as to maybe ketosis or, you know, what kind of diet do you really follow? Yeah, totally. You know, Fat Burning Man, the, the way that I meant it originally, aside from being, you know, descriptive of something in health and fitness, is when you burn uh, sugar, you're not a fat burner. When you burn fat, you are. So fat-burning man almost means like mankind. It means when you're burning ah. the right way, you should be burning fat. You're, you're running on fat. You're a fat-burning machine. So that's kind of like the, the double entendre there. Uh, it's not – because my show isn't really about fat-burning. It's about leading a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't necessarily mean ketosis or anything, uh, but it just means not being afraid of fat anymore. It, it means eating real food. So and, and so that's great, and you know that that, that speaks to me very personally because it, as someone who has a you know digestive disorder, uh, anytime you have like a flare-up or you, I mean, and I'm sure you had this experience too, you know, when you have a stomach issue, the doctors immediately say like, stay away from fatty foods, 
yeah. stay away from greasy food. Or they just, I don't even say greasy food. This is stay away from fatty foods. And yeah. obviously, you know, you shouldn't, if you're having a stomach issue, you, should, you shouldn't be going out and eating funnel cakes. But <laughs> fat itself, you know, it's like, it's so anti-inflammatory itself and butter and all these things. And I think that people get scared. And I can say, tell you personally, my doctor basically told me that I had a problem with iceberg lettuce. And as a result, I was like afraid of greens for almost a year which, you know, probably caused all sorts of vitamin deficiencies. So it, it, of all the people, you know, I interviewed Jimmy Moore a couple of weeks ago, who I know has been on your show, and I've talked to Dave Asprey, and I don't know, I don't understand where the fear of fat came from. Yeah, it's it's a long, ridiculous story, but I think we can all disagree that it's unfounded. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's so funny. It's like no matter who you talk to, you get that same result. It's like, well, what, what, you know, you're going to have that much fat. And if you have somebody who's, you know, a little bit educated, they'll usually be like, well, what about all that saturated fat? Yeah. So, I mean, what, what is your like, you know, 15 second response to that kind of, that kind of person? I don't worry about it. I, we, <laughs> we did just fine never worrying one bit about whether something was fat or protein or had any calories in it or anything else for the vast majority of human existence, and we thrived. And now we're not thriving, and we're paying attention to calories and fat and carbs and protein more than any other time. So I, th- I think that's just demonstrative of the fact that it doesn't really matter. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it, a really good point. Uh, so your diet is essentially paleo, right? Ish. Ish. Yeah, okay. you know, so when I was um, guinea pigging on myself, it was before paleo was really a thing like it is today. Um, there was the book from Lauren Cordain, which is, you know, low fat. It talked about canola oil and like very low salt, no caffeine, no fun, no alcohol. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not for me. Um, <laughs> so the way that I that I eat today is um, occasionally there'll be grains in there like gluten free oats or uh, quinoa or rice. But generally speaking, it's, it's very heavy on uh, fibrous veggies and lots of veggies uh, and rounded out with uh, mostly eggs and, and fatty things like big fan of, of high fat dairy myself. I tolerate it really well. Butter um, is is pretty much put on everything as well as bacon fat <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, wild meats. But I'm not, you know, I'm not completely dismissive of some things in technology that could help us out. You know, I don't really believe in superfoods, but I do believe that there are certain things that we're finding work really well with our bodies um, that that are a product of technology as opposed to just being pulled straight from the earth. But I think if you use that template, pulling something straight from the earth, would a human have eaten this 10,000 years ago or not, is a great framework to guide most of your decisions. And I agree. But so what is, what's an example of the technological improvement that you're cool with? Sure. I mean, right now, based upon the research that I've seen, but mostly based upon my own anecdotal experience, like medium-chain triglycerides, which are a fraction of palm oil or coconut oil, um, tend to do really well with my own body. Like, I haven't eaten today, and it's coming up on 2 o'clock, and this is pretty typical for me. Um, I'll just have fat, and what MCTs do is allow you to uh, basically manufacture ketones more readily than you would from um, straight coconut oil or butter or some other fat. But they're burned kind of like carbs, so you, you get a lot of energy out of them. But that's certainly, I mean, no one can argue that that's a natural thing. It's its an extract kind of, it's a fraction of something else that is natural. Um, but paleo people would say, oh, you can't have that. Or, 
Oh, is that right? I didn't know that that, that MCT oil wasn't cool with paleo people. Well, here's the thing. Like, paleo, if you're strict about it, that means no alcohol, no coffee, um, no dairy, no no cheese, no anything that's not, you know, like animal food or uh, or vegetables, pretty much. And so paleo people, a lot of the leaders as well, just kind of like brush over a lot of those things. And they're just like, oh, yeah, well, it's totally cool to have MCTs or coffee or whatever. And, like, actually, I was with a bunch of the paleo cooks, and we all went out for ice cream. <laughs> These people are not um, zealous about it. But I think, you know, in order to not be completely hypocritical, if if we're being looked at by the mainstream, right, or the media, which we are, and, and often mocked, it's really important that we get our story straight. And that's like, you can't, I don't think 100% paleo is the answer for everyone. I'm, I'm, as it turns out, allergic to a lot of things that are paleo. So paleo doesn't necessarily jive with me 100%. But as a framework, it's brilliant. It's the best we've got. Okay, so that's really interesting. See, because one of my, so I'm not paleo either. I'm not paleo-ish either. I'm basically, my diet essentially is high fat, you know, low-ish carbs. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, with all the blood testing that I do, still, even with all the self-tracking, I know that I have a pretty good carb tolerance. So there's no reason for me to cut out those things because I don't want to create an intolerance where one didn't exist before. Right. But my big criticism when I talk to people about paleo is it's like, if you're going to be really strict paleo or what you think is really strict paleo and you're going to eat all this meat and all this stuff, it's like, well, then you should probably, like, sleep during the day and hunt for your food at night, too. Yeah. You know, sure. like, it's fine if you want to eat like a caveman, but then don't sit in front of a computer eight hours a day. Exactly. Yeah. So it's um, it's really easy for them just to be really dogmatic and be hypocritical at the same time. So I, I try not to do that. Sure. Okay. Good. More, you know, I embrace the paleo community because there are so many cool people in it. It's, it's subsumed a lot of the other movements like slow food, farm to table, um, and and – I embrace that community. I embrace the people. But in terms of what we're, we're talking about here, 100% paleo, it's not really like that. Actually, I have a shirt that I wear all the time that says I'm 83% paleo. The rest is for cigars and scotch. And that's kind of how it works out. Nice. Everything in moderation, including moderation, <laughs> right? Uh, so, okay, even well, paleo. Yes, even paleo. So then, so then I, sort of the segue there is I, I mentioned sitting in front of the computer. But what, what's your... I know that you're very into natural movements and stuff. Um, what, what's your kind of fitness regime like? Yeah, so uh, today, I try to switch it up. But in general, it's lifting heavy compound movements, uh, you know, squat, bench press in my, um, in my shed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like once a week. And then I do um, pull-ups pretty much every day, you know, just like a quick set in the morning. And then sprints occasionally once a week. Uh, but if I'm doing Krav Maga, which I'm, I'm doing now, um, that's kind of my sprint workout. And so I'll do that, you know, once a week sometimes, sometimes four times a week. Um, and that's just for people who don't know, like martial arts type training and learning how to, how to move your body, not just like lift stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's what it looks like now. And then in terms of, um, the times that I'm not exercising, I really focus on being on my feet most of the day. Like I'm standing right now at my desk and I, I'm walking around when I'm making phone calls. I take my dog on several walks a day. So I, I'm, I'm pretty active. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I so I have um, 
twin five months old or almost five month olds, and we also have a twenty one month old. So um, yeah, so I just got back to what I would consider like structured working out about a week ago, but in the last four months before that. I was probably doing this about 50 or 60 squats a day, picking up babies and, you know, sure. walking around. So I was like, I saw that and I felt like I wasn't gaining any weight. My body composition wasn't changing and, you know, not sleeping as well as I'd like to. But generally, I felt pretty good. And it's kind of amazing how that, like, active lifestyle versus, you know, structured exercise and the combination of the two can really affect everything. That. That is so true because I'll, I actually just had a stomach bug, which I get like once a year. Usually <laughs> I get this horrific stomach bug. And so I wasn't able to do anything for like a week. Um, but nothing really changed. Like my body didn't, I, I probably lost a little muscle mass. I may have put on a little fat. Probably not though. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it did. And I feel great now. So when you, when you lead this lifestyle, you don't really have to worry about any of that stuff or, or even not working out for a week or two isn't that big of a deal. Because it's so easy just to like go back to your lifestyle once you can. So, and I, I love that you use the word lifestyle, and I try to pound that into people's heads that like it's not about a diet, and it's not about you know I do CrossFit or I do this. Like it's it's about how you integrate it into your lifestyle on a daily basis. Yeah, that's right. So uh, also, I, ha- I can't just gloss over this. Like you're the, you're the first person I've been able to talk to about Krav Maga. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with Krav Maga. And it's something that I never did martial arts growing up, and I never had the patience for the the katas and all the the sort of uh, artistic movement that goes along with the martial arts. So Krav Maga, for those who don't know, is the Israeli martial arts used by the Israeli Defense Force, and it's very aggressive and very kind of to the point and, and very situational also. So what I like about it, and you alluded to this about the sprints, is that it, it puts your like your nervous system kind of into overload really quick because the training is pretty hardcore. Yeah. So what draw you what drew you to it? Well I felt that I had kind of um I got a good feel for body composition. I knew how to, you know, get super shredded and muscular and that sort of thing by doing very little work, actually. Um, and I I just felt like a cream puff. <laughs> like, what's the point of, like, having all these muscles and looking great if you're a barista can wipe the floor with you? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm just like, I need to – I was bored. I need to do something else. I need to learn a skill. And I always wanted to be a Ninja Turtle growing up. And I did karate and all of that. Um, but I haven't for, you know, since I was a little kid and I'm just like, all right, let's, let's do it. So I went in, uh, for a class to try it out. I'm like, all right, this is something I'm going to do. Um, so I've been doing it for about the past year and, uh, I'm a, I'm a level two as well. And I just, I love it. It's, it's a great thing to do. I was just talking on, uh, just had an interview on my own podcast right before this. And I was talking to a parkour guy and we were talking about fear. And that's something that we never really experienced today. You know, like people, their teeth are chattering because they're going into a job interview, not because they're being like about to be punched in the face or having a sword fight or being chased by a tiger, which are like things you should be afraid of. We're afraid of stupid little things. Um, so I think we're, we need that just to recalibrate our, the way that we think about the world. We need to put ourselves into uncomfortable situations. And Krav Maga definitely does that. Yeah, that's right. I like that. It, it, it sort of like it puts you in situations that you hopefully will never be in and probably have never been in. Uh, but there's also that idea of 
working on something that is a new skill and the neurological effects that come from that and how you sort of, you know, create new neurons where there weren't neurons before. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really excellent thing. And it works, you know, for those listening, like it's the kind of thing that no matter what your fitness level really is or your, your age or your strength, like you really can learn a lot of some very effective methods of defense and protecting those you love. So, uh, so I want to switch gears just a little bit to productivity because you, I have to assume that you are just a very, very productive person because you're doing a lot. You've got your podcast, you've got your books, you've got, uh, the Caveman Feast app, for those who have not checked it out, is the most beautiful recipe, uh, app for paleo-ish stuff, right? I'll, I'll go with the ish. Um, <laughs> it's really gorgeous. Uh, but you, you're producing an enormous amount of content and you're coaching too, right? Yeah. Uh, bunch of stuff. <laughs> so, okay, so what's, what's, I mean, I don't know if you have like a productivity sort of methodology or like what's, what's a week look like for you? Yeah, totally. Uh, actually I have it in front of me right now. What it looks like is every morning I have a routine, about an hour that I block off to get my mind in order. And what that usually consists of is waking up doing, um, but the first thing I do is I say I love you to my girlfriend, start the day on a high note. Um, then I get out of bed, I do a, like 30, 60 seconds of, um, of exercise. Could be pull-ups, push-ups, squats, something just to get the blood flowing and then a little bit of yoga to kind of get the, the muscles a little more limber. Then I take the dog on a walk. Um, I go outside, I meditate for about 10 minutes. And all these things are priming me to, to crush it for the rest of the day. And you haven't, you haven't checked your email yet at that point? <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, I, I actually... A lot of my friends hate me because I don't carry my phone around. Um, I don't check email that often. I spe- especially don't check it in the mornings. Um, I'm not really responsive to technology because I'm trying to produce stuff. I'm trying to create things. And if you want to be in that creative state, then you can't be constantly responding to all of these distractions. Um, so that I found that it's really important for me to fill up my day after that, that morning routine with with really meaningful work of some kind. So today, which I usually have at least one of these days a week, it's literally after my morning routine. I have meetings or, or interviews, usually interviews, um, from 9 to 5 straight with like a couple of 15-minute pee breaks, <laughs> not even enough time to eat. Wow. And so that's how I crush out so many podcasts, and I'm, I'm on so many other people's podcasts and that sort of thing because very selective with um, – the amount of time that I dedicate to it, but the time that I dedicate to it is like 100%. And the rest of the week is I fill it up with meaningful work. So that could mean writing something or brainstorming business ideas. Um, a lot of my, my time, my free time, I guess, if you use, I'm using air quotes, I, I try to block off to do work, like fun work. Work is fun to me. But it doesn't look like staring at the screen, just kind of like <laughs> punching out numbers all day. Um, like, like my first job in strategy consulting, it's not like that. So, um, I, I think I put myself in a creative mode a lot of the time and I'm able to, you know, run six businesses because I'm spending my time guiding the ship and focusing on outsourcing the more mechanical tasks to people who are better suited to do that sort of thing. Great. Well, that I mean, that certainly certainly jives with all sorts of the principles that 
that I like the professor less doing. I, I think that having that clear mind is one of the most difficult things for people and also the most important because you start to have ideas and new, you know, especially when it comes to like content creation. Like it's just, there's so many things that can distract you from that. That oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's just, it's really good when you have that sort of, that, that method at your disposal to be able to, to be free. So, one of the things that I, well, uh, the, the, the question that I like to ask everybody at the end of these podcasts to sort of wrap up is what are the top three things that your sort of personal productivity tips, the top three things that make you the most effective every day? And it does, you know, it can be anything from a piece of software to meditation or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, having that morning routine, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be like mine. It can be whatever it is that you like to do to get your head in order to crush it for the rest of the day. So having that, that one thing that primes you to really achieve, I, I can't overstate how important that is. So that's, that's number one. Number two would be, uh, see yourself and your time as a way to create something as opposed to, uh, I have six free seconds. I need to be entertained. I need some stimulus, you know, like, checking CNN on your phone or Facebook or whatever, or waiting for a text message or checking your email because you need some stimulus from the external world. Try to get out of that mindset and, and get into what can I create for the rest of the world with this time? What what can I do? And one of the best, number three, the tool that I use for that is it, it costs about 99 cents and it's just a notebook and pen. <laughs> it's sitting down and sketching out your ideas. I, I, probably write like six pages a day of just random notes. It could be about life, philosophy, business, diagrams, show ideas, to-do lists. doesn't really matter. But if you're putting your ideas down there, you're creating something and you're doing something. So getting in the habit of doing something like that instead of responding to something will change your life. I, I, I love all three of those. The last one, I... I have to use Evernote, which I recommend people use, but I have to because my handwriting is kind of illegible. So oh, really? um, <laughs> everyone always said I should be a doctor because of that. So that's hilarious. Uh, but I, I love those. I think those are really great. So you know, I, we're, we're here at the end of time. So uh, thank you for for taking the time to tell us a little bit about what you're working on. But where can people go to find out everything about you? Uh, best place to find me is Fat Burning Man. Dot com and if you sign up for my email list you get a free ebook and a bunch of free bonuses so that's that's the best way to get in touch yeah i can second that there's a you you put out a ton of free stuff just for signing up for your email which i think is is very cool so abel thank you very much and uh we uh we look forward to more great content from you in the future awesome thanks so much ari i appreciate it man
Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast with Ari Mizell. For more ways to make everything in your life easier, head over to lessdoing.com and also on Twitter at twitter.com slash Ari Mizell or Facebook at facebook.com slash lessdoing. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. It's greatly appreciated. You can learn the art of less doing, getting started with biohacking, and how to make Gmail, IFTTT, and virtual assistants your ultimate productivity toolbox at udemy.com slash less doing. Until next time, keep optimizing, automating, and outsourcing everything you do.